0: Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. In Jesus' name we have prayed, hallelujah, praise God, it's good to see everybody, how are you today? All right, amen, I hope you had a good week. That's good. Amen. Okay, so we'll continue the series on the lonely walk of faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 51, just to reiterate what I started saying last week Isaiah chapter 51, from verse 1, says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were caught and to the query from which you were hewn. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many people pursue after righteousness here? Okay. How many people seek the Lord? So he says, look to the rock from which you were caught. Verse 2 now says, look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Hallelujah. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth, who gave you birth. And I tried to explain last week that this coheres completely with what the apostles teach, that all of us who have the same kind of faith that Abraham has, whether we are circumcised according to the flesh or Gentiles, as long as we have the same faith according to the kind of faith that Abraham has, right? all of us are the rock from which um, you know, all of us are part of that rock from which Abraham, you know, that Abraham is. That is, Abraham is the father of our type of faith. Hallelujah. Abraham is our father. When the Lord chose Abraham to be an example of faith, so all of us are following after the faith of Abraham. So all of us are Abraham's children. Hallelujah. We looked at this from Romans chapter 4, from verse 8, from the whole book of Romans chapter 4, basically was you know, dedicated to that, that Abraham is the archetype, he's the template of the kind of faith that leads to righteousness. And all of us who believe the way Abraham believed, you know, will receive the righteousness that is of God. Praise God. And I started by talking about how that faith, this this faith that leads to righteousness has certain works. It has certain manifestations. In case I didn't say it well and it wasn't clear last week, the faith that leads to righteousness, Abraham's kind of faith, has certain works that are joined to it that are inseparable from it. It has certain things by which we know that this is really the faith of Abraham. There are certain things that are of the faith of Abraham that if we don't see it in your life, we are just and right to say that you do not have that faith of Abraham. Hallelujah. Judge you, I just said no. The faith of Abraham has certain compulsory fruits compulsory works that go with it so Christians are not anti-Nomanian that means we are not lawless we don't believe that there is now no law for Christians when you hear someone preaching grace say there is now no law for Christians the person is an anti-Nomanian the person is a heretic or maybe the person is in error has not been taught properly well Christians have laws we have laws The laws that we have are the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We have works. The works that we have are the works of faith. The works that we have are not the works of the law of Moses. The law that we have is not the law of Moses. So we are not lawless people. That is the reason why there are certain things that the Bible teaches us that are laws that undergird the conduct of Christians. That when you see them in the Bible, you don't try to explain those works away. By saying we are not under the law, that is not the law. Confession of sins is not the law of Moses. It is Christian conduct of faith. Do you understand that, church? Do you understand what I'm saying? To you? <laughs> Confession of sins is not the law of Moses. Confession of sin is not the law of Moses. You might see the spirit of it in the law of Moses, but these are eternal counsels that with, with respect to God's people, God and His people, or and His children. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? When the Lord was teaching the apostles, the disciples before they came to the apostles, he said, this is how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he wasn't saying, this is a, he wasn't saying quote this exactly, even though the early church, and even, which, I mean, it's a good thing to quote it exactly, right? But he wasn't actually saying, whenever you're praying, only quote these lines and don't say any other thing. He was saying, this is how to pray. Approach God with, hallow, with you know, hallowing him, recognizing him and worshiping his greatness. Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Recognize that, you know, that pray for the will of God to be done on the earth. Pray and demonstrate that you want God's preferred will, not just what he allows, but what the Lord actually intends and prefers, that you want it in your life also. Pray for the will of God to be done. Hallelujah. The okay, not will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That means pray that God will supply all your needs. Your daily bread, physical and spiritual, pray that the Lord will supply. Pray for your needs and the Lord will supply them. Right. Give us thy little bread, and forgive, um, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ask for forgiveness, and confess your sins. So when John was saying it, you know people say things like, "Jesus was talking to was not talking to Christians." Please, right? Don't be heretic. He was talking to his disciples. Are you his disciple? What he says to one, he says to what all. His words are not temporary. He says, not one jot or tittle of my word will pass away. Everything are not to pass away, but not one jot will pass away. So you ask for forgiveness. If you have done something wrong that you recognize, say, Lord, forgive me of this, and he will forgive. And then those that have offended you, that before you came to that prayer, you were keeping them in your mind, you pray and say, God, I forgive this person. Do you know what I just said now? So then be the kingdom, the glory and power forever and ever. Then you give God thanks and give God thanks. Do you understand that? So that law is the law of faith. It accompanies the Christian life. So we are not saved into lawlessness, we are saved into Christ. And I was just trying to say, I was trying to follow, I was trying to follow the instruction from you know what the apostles teach us: how that we should look to Abraham, who is the rock from which we are here and now, we can learn certain examples. And so I try to see, and, and you know, I, I believe the Lord put it in my heart, that we should look at the life of Abraham in the scriptures and see all the lessons there that is the lifestyle of the of a people of faith. That if you're a people of faith, if you're a person of faith, there are certain things that Abraham is an example of, of um, you know, is an example for us that if we look through those things, we can learn so that in case there's any part of your life where you have been thought, where you have been taught faith wrongly. Right, you can. We can learn, and we can adjust, and see what real faith looks like. Hallelujah! We can look at Abraham's life and see what real faith, what Abraham's faith, the faith that is called righteous, what does it look like? We can look through the scriptures and see, and we can learn from it. Hallelujah! So that's what we're looking through. That's what we're looking at in this series. And the first thing that we learned, Genesis chapter twelve, last week is a kind of reorientation of what faith really is. Chapter 12, verse 4 tells us that, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Uh, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. This is faith. And I've said it many times, but I'll not stop saying it. Many of you need to hear it again, and some people are joining us, some people are just joining us that need to hear it for the first time. Faith is not to dream big. Faith is not, I have a faith project. Try God. Try God. Have a faith project. Believe that my business can scale to $100 million business within six months. Have a faith project. There's nothing that God cannot do. That's not faith. Do you understand that? Faith is not dreaming big. Faith is not desiring nice things. That's just New Age mysticism. It's not, there's not special about that. That's not Faith. Mm. I said yesterday on social media faith is not for richer for richer for poorer for, for richer for richer for healthier for healthier in health and in health I will never leave you nor forsake you faith is in richer for poorer in sickness and in health because what God's word says is that what God has joined together let nothing put asunder affirming God's will confessing God's will, doing as the Lord has told you, is faith. What has the Lord told us about marriage? That when two come together, nothing should put them asunder. So when you are confessing it in marriage, that what God has joined together, nothing will put asunder. Therefore, whether sickness, good times, or bad times, nothing will put us asunder. Confessing that is a statement of faith. See, this whole faith thing has been warped. Have been seriously warped that even the fundamental beliefs the actions have been distorted from what the bible teaches that so people can't even they don't even know how far we are from god's word that we don't even know we're actually dancing in the realm of um, demonic stuff some things that are actually very wrong very demonic have become so normal because of one minute past 12 just tweak something in the foundation put a crack in the foundation and nobody's safe you tell people long enough that faith is to have good desires and trust God to make it happen. You come to your marriage vow and you are saying it's because we, be, it's because we believe that we will have good times. That's why we are confessing. No. What you are preaching is actually the reason why families are being destroyed. You are contributing to satanic stuff. Christian families don't commit to each other only in good times. Can you see how we went from faith confession to being opposite of God's will? Do you see that? Do you understand what I'm saying now? We went from confessing only what is pleasant to, you know, making oaths for the family that is opposite of God's intention. The Christian oath in marriage is that I have chosen you. I will never leave you, no matter what happens. I will never leave you, no matter what happens. It is not a statement of faith to say for Richard, for I am going to be saying it and people will be feeling up themselves. I think it's a mark of piety. So, faith, just like the Bible says, in, I love it so much. So, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Faith is that God tells you his will and you align with it, you believe it. Faith is not confirmed or proven by good times. Faith is not confirmed or proven by painful times. You know what I just said now? Some people will tell you that if you are really in faith, you should be suffering. You are wrong. Some people will tell you that if you are really in faith, you should be enjoying. They also are what? Wrong. Painful times or comfortable times are simply manifestations of what, of how the will of God is jamming against the will of Satan. Do you understand that? It's just a manifestation of where God puts you at every point in time. By itself, it is not a confirmation of whether you are in the will of God or you are not in the will of God. So you can be suffering you your side of the will of God. You can be enjoying you your side of the will of God. In the same way you can be enjoying and you're in the will of God and you can be suffering and you are what? In the will of God. Faith is to do as the Lord has said. Simple. Faith is to do as the Lord has said. Hallelujah. We'll carry on because when we begin to look into Abraham's life, you begin to see that if this is what faith actually is, right? It's a lonely path. It's actually really lonely. And if that's why a lot of things have gone wrong, God will help us. I hate to sound like as if I know more than other people. I don't know everything. All right? There are a lot of things I'm still learning myself. You understand that? But the thing that we have seen from God's word, that we know from God's word, we know. Do you understand that? So I don't want to say like as if this guy is saying I'm not most wise. All right? But on this matter of faith, on this one, this is what faith is. Praise God. Sound. Hallelujah. When we begin to walk and follow Abraham's faith, you begin to find out that actually, it's actually a very lonely path. It doesn't jive with the way a lot of things, of the way the world does their things. It doesn't jive, it doesn't follow. It will make you to be lonely at certain points. But if you are willing to be lonely for the truth, The Lord will also give you companionship. There are many ways it is Lord. So let's just go on. You begin to see what's going on. So let's continue from verse four. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out of Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived, hallelujah. First lesson I want us to, the first lesson I would like us to learn here is concerning the law of faith is that, I've said this before, right? The purpose of God for your life, walking in faith is not arriving at a destination. Do you understand that? It's a direction. You will walk in faith till you die. There's another aspect of it that is problematic. You've been told that faith is to achieve a certain status, Or to arrive at a certain place. You've been told that faith is to achieve. I believe in something and I will achieve certain status. Your faith project caused you to achieve in certain things. No. A man can start at the age of 75. Not even necessarily start, but God can give a man a fresh command at the age of 75. And it is a journey that he will carry on till the day that he dies. So faith is believing God and following God till the end of your days. Faith is not, you are alive at a status. You say, the men of faith, they right. you, you can never arrive. So faith is not a destination. Purpose is not a destination. It's a what? Direction. It's a journey. It's an adventure. That's why every kind of system and teaching of faith that tries to make faith very flat and very in your control leads to all these kinds of problems. Listen to me. Faith is an adventure. Faith is an adventure. As we go on in the series, you understand. Faith is an adventure. It's because we are people of faith that we can never stop praying. That's why you will never got. Look at what God just told him. Just told him to go. Didn't tell him any other thing. Go first. Just be going. That's how faith is. There's nothing like, I'm in control of my life, I know exactly how my tomorrow is going to be, therefore I must... The apostles already tell us, you don't know. You will say, if it is the will of God, you don't know. That's why believers will always pray. That's why you ask questions like, how do I know whether my desires are God's will or... How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to follow my desires or wait for God to tell me? That's why you have all those kind of questions in your mind, intention. You have a desire in your heart. You are not sure whether it is God's, it is God's plan for you. So you are praying to get more clarity. There's something else in your heart you think is conflicting and all that. That is faith. That is actually the work of faith. Faith is an adventure. Faith keeps us tethered to God, faith keeps us connected to God. Faith ensures it is because of faith that we will never get to a time where we have a sense of self-sufficiency that I have it figured out. Church I I' saying to you, do you understand that? This feeling of um, um, faith is to get something, when you get it, you know that, you have settled it and all that. You know that sense of self-assurance. It's not like that. You see Abraham's life, you understand. Faith is an adventure. It is an adventure. Faith is there are some times that are uncomfortable. You just want out of it. But it seems like as if it's not coming out quickly enough. Or there are some things ahead of you you desire. It's not coming as quickly as you want. Yeah, but then you're not sure. Okay, why is it taking time? Is it taking time because God does not want me to have it? Or is this something that I'm supposed to endure and persevere until the end? I'm not sure. That is what faith is. Faith is holding on to God and staying and watching until what is supposed to happen is clarified. That is the journey of faith. Faith is not there's something in front of me whether it's not the will of God. See, if, if my faith says yes, God, God cannot say no. I get what I'm saying to you. So do you understand to you? Faith is an adventure. So at the age of 75, you can be starting your life afresh. That's faith. But there's something else here. There's a deeper lesson here. The Bible says that he took his wife, his nephew, and all the possessions they had accumulated. He took his wife, his nephew, and all the possessions and all the possessions and people that he had accumulated, and they set out according to what God's command. First lesson here is this listen to me, people of faith, those of us that have the faith of Abraham, on this journey, our family goes with us. Amen. Write it down. You know, so that you will not forget. Wait, these guys think it's an agenda. It's not your agenda. (laughs) It's not your agenda. (laughs) These boys are not serious. (laughs) All the pedo-baptists in this house. (laughs) This is not your agenda. Let me preach it well. In the faith of Abraham, your family goes with you. This is actually the pattern of God's word. This is actually the pattern of God's word. There's nothing like I'm going to marry someone that does not have the Christian faith. This say my own faith. I will, you know. I will, you know, Don't worry. God will help us. It's a lie. The person goes with you. You cannot marry an unbeliever. You cannot marry someone that you are not even sure the person is a believer. Like I told you, faith has its works. Faith has its works. You cannot marry someone that is claiming the faith, but does not have the works. You cannot. You, Abraham, Sarah, and Lot, in fact, if you are children, of course, obviously you saw. You understand? Everybody, we see this continue in the Christian culture. When, a, when a people are saved, when a man comes to Christ, his family comes with him. That's why, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to confirm these boys. Listen, if you read through the Bible, you see something. This is the spirit of the Christian faith. When a man comes to Christ, he says, him and his entire household are baptized into Christ. You don't leave your children behind. Children, people of faith, you teach your children God's word. People of faith who don't give birth and just say, you know, you you know. The child is in God's family. You dedicate the child from the beginning. So I tell you what I'm saying to you. Christian families, your family goes with you. This is Christian faith. There's nothing like my children are on their own. Every child of God, every person that you're a child of, the, you're a child of God, Like and you should assume that your children are saved. My children are elect. Me, my own children, they are all elects. All my nephews and nieces are God's children. A man of faith takes his family along with him. So, even in the point where you are making your choice of marriage, ladies, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Whoever is coming to meet you, you are going together in faith. Don't follow someone that will lead you to hell. When Paul was talking about the faith of the wife sanctifying the husband and all that, it was you know it was people that been married as unbelievers, and they believe that God will do something through that person. That is different from your own case. It is God's divine intervention for people that were already married before they got saved. It is a different thing for you that you are saved already. (laughs) What are you going to say to you? Your family, your children are going with you in faith. That's why you begin to see some things, very, very interesting things going on here in this structure. The Bible says that he took his wife, Sarai, and his, and his nephew, Lot. He took his wife, Sarai. So that means that when God calls a family, and this is something that you see here, when God wants to use a family as an archetype, look at something that Isaiah exactly chapter 51 says. Isaiah exactly chapter 51 actually says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, the one that gave you birth. But when God called them, who did he call? Abraham. When God created Adam and Eve, who did he first create? The Adam. Even though obviously it was both of them. You understand? You no, know, Eve was not an afterthought. Male and female, he made them. Why? Because this is Christian faith. That the families of Christ, that the families of God have leadership so that when god calls abraham he expects abraham to take sarai along with him even though obviously the seed will be through sarai so, so together the christian family the household of god the family of god is designed by god that it should have a leadership so that abraham will take his family along so That means that if we are going to be led by the faith of Abraham, if we are going to follow the faith of Abraham, that's why these things are making it lonely. Because it is contrary to the world's ways of thinking. The world's ways of thinking with respect to men and women changes over the ages. It changes over the ages. It changes in different cultures. It changes and changes and changes. But this one is eternal. When God is dealing with his people as families, this is eternal. This is eternal. The faith of Christians, those that are God's children, this is how the Lord does it. So that is the reason why the apostles will now tell us that every man, that that every man should lead his family and every wife should submit to her husband, respect her husband, her own husband, because the man must lead his family. Which I get what I'm saying to you. This is the faith of Abraham. I beg you in the name of Jesus, there is no way around it. Don't rebel against it. I beg you in the name of God. Anybody that builds their house on the word of God is like someone building their house on a rocky foundation. When the winds of life come and the storms of life come, that house will stand firm. But if you build your house on the sinking sand of Western ideology, your house will crumble. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Says wives in the, same, in, the, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, not to everybody's husband. Right, okay. Do you understand that? Okay, so this is not a men versus women matter. This is husband and wife matter. So that if any of so that if any of them do not believe in the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. That means that even when a woman is married to someone that's already an unbeliever, the apostles still say what? Submit to them. He now says, when they see the purity and reverence of your life, your beauty should not come from outward environments, such as the library high style and the wearing of gold, wear it, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. That's what it now says. He now says, actually submitting, to your own husband as God's word has said is actually a statement of putting your hope in God. Every woman is equal to every man. The reason why you're submitting to your own husband is not because he's superior to you, but because your hope is in God who said you should do so. Do you understand what's happening here? Do you understand what's happening here? Hmm. You, don't, you don't answer again. Okay, let's go on. Verse 6. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. All the statements that tell people that they should not submit to their own husbands are usually statements of fear. I have read on blog and I have read from the world and I have read that women have been oppressed. Because of that, I am afraid of submitting to my own husband. Ah, okay. See, Christianity is true. Its ability to... Com- anticipate things, is just shocking. Peter said, listen to me. You are Sarah's daughters. Isaiah said, look to Sarah that gave birth to you. He said, you are Sarah's daughters. That means you are walking in faith. If you do something, you submit to your own husband and not out of fear. When people say, come and say that the Christian family, this thing is wrong, it, it does not fit in their own and everything, everybody submit to yourself, everybody submit to yourself, continue. You are speaking out of fear. You've read somewhere that a man took advantage of a woman. Nobody has ever been afraid to submit to their pastor that they trust. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed that? So the issue is fear, is the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear will not allow you to walk the kind of faith of Abraham. You cannot have that kind of faith are dealing with fear, and all that Satan does in the world is to bombard our hearts and our souls with all kinds of information to inspire fear in us. Like someone said something very funny. Say, how did that, how did that person say it? Said, it must, the, the real cause of Eve is that women are attracted to their enemies. How did that, that stupid trick go again? As way the person said it, that the real cause of Eve is that women have to, are sexually attracted to their enemies. Meaning men, that men and women are enemies. And the real cause of Eve is that women have to be married to men. Hallelujah. That's the spirit of Satan. Putting fear where there is no fear. So actually, if you are serious daughters, the Bible says you submit to your own husbands. There's no way around it. That's why all the egalitarian arguments usually boil down to questions of inerrancy. The only way around this scripture is to say Peter did not know what he was saying. That's the only way around it. There's no way. There's no way. The only way around this is to say the Bible is errant. That's, that's the only way. Church out together. We'll look over seven houses. now says, husbands in the same way. Husbands in the same be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Weaker partner meaning physical weakness, right? And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your what prayers. I remember years ago, when the hyper thing was still a little bit, the virus was a little bit in my, in my brain. I used to try to wait to leg over, over this scripture. Ah, God, thank you for deliverance. The virus would tell me then that, you know what it means? That if you are maltreating your wife, you won't be able to pray well. And if you are not praying well, it will, it will hinder your prayer. <laughs> okay? If you maltreat your wife, God will not hear your prayer. You will pray, God will not hear. That's what Jesus was saying when he was saying that, go and if you don't forgive those around you, I will, not he- I will not forgive you. God does not hear some people's prayers. Do you know? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Oh, God. Did you hear what I just said now? You will pray and God will not hear. The answer you'll be hearing is, Oga, oh go and deal with your wife. That's the answer. There's no conversation here. You maltreat your wife. God will not hear your prayer. You will suffer. Needless suffering. You think it's a lie? Let's go back to Abraham. Genesis chapter 21. (laughs) Let's go back to Moses. Genesis chapter 21. Let me tell you what the faith of Abraham is. The faith of Abraham is that God has said, you will have a son and your wife is the one that will tell you that since I am past my age of bearing, go into my maid and let her give birth to a son for me so that the son will be my son and you listen to your wife. 100% of the time when Sarah asked Abraham to do something for her, 100% of the time Abraham did this. That is Abraham's faith. The faith of Abraham, the daughters of Sarah will call their husbands Lord and submit because they have hope in God and they will not rebel because of fear. In the same way, the faith of Abraham and Abraham's sons will listen to their wife and always sing for their wives. Genesis 21 verse 8, the, 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 the child grew and was weaned and on the day Isaac weaned Abraham and the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, was born to Abraham, was mocking, and said to Abraham, "Get rid of that slave woman and her son, and her son, for the woman's son will never share in the inheritance of my son Isaac." Guess what? When Apostle Paul goes to recount the scripture in the Book of Galatians, he quoted Abraham as the word of God. He quoted Sarah these words as the word of God. "Get rid of the son of the bond woman. exactly like that. Look at it now, it says verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Listen to me. This is one application of understanding the faith of Abraham. Abraham listens to Sarah. Because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. So when Sarah gives you an advice that is God's will, you don't say because because you are submitted to God. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. You are submitted to God. So when the woman tells you, this is what God has said, when the woman speaks the truth, either inspiredly or rationally or out of common sense, and points to the will of God and says, this is the will of God that you should do, Abraham will listen to her because he's listening to God. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So there's nothing like, there's a decision that is best for the family. And the, and the, the, the idea comes from your wife. The decision comes from your wife. Your wife says, this is what is best for the family. you not saying because I'm the man. I will not do it. That's not faith. That's not Abraham's culture. That's not Abraham's faith. So I get what I'm saying to you. Abraham listens to Sarah. God not answer your prayers if you don't. There's no way around it. God not answer your prayers. God no not validates evildoers. Imagine you are making decisions and praying to God to do things for your family that are only self-serving and is not good for your family. The other people in your family are not God's children. God cannot answer their prayer. The prayer of an evildoer an abomination to God you are praying that God should do something for your family that is only self-serving. It's not for your family, it's for you. The family wants to make a decision on where to relocate. You now say you, you are earning certain amounts, but because you are the man. They brought you up in your culture to say, no matter what happens, you must be bringing in money and the woman can go through, go through whatever she's going through and everything and all that. And that is not a problem as long as you are the man. You are the man, you are the man. And then you now say, come, there's a better opportunity for us in another place. You now say, no, we must stay here and the family must suffer needlessly. And you now be praying, God, Bless me in this suffering, and God has given you away, and your wife has said, "Let us." They say, "No, I'm the man." God will answer your prayer. The only prayer answer to that prayer that you can get is Oga, oh listen to your wife. So this is why the faith of Abraham is lonely. The way we Christians think about family is not the way the world thinks about family. The way a Christian woman can call her husband Lord is not the same thing as when people of the world call their husband Lord and people panic and start saying it is oppression. When we do it like Sarah does, we know what we are doing. It is lonely. It's not like the rest of the world. They will not understand. It is the same way that when a man is listening to his wife and doing everything for his wife and sacrificing himself for his wife, the people of the world have been taught that a man is supposed to grandstand and do what is good for him and maltreat them. And it will look strange. It ought to look strange because our faith is lonely. The Christian family is not like the worldly family. It is not. To rebel against it and to try to copy the worldly family, to give yourself some sense, some kind of, you know, um, fitting with the times of the world is to be conformed to the world. It is to be conformed to the world. It is to build your house on sand and one day it will, it will collapse. Any Christian family where the daughter, like Sarah calls her husband Lord, <laughs> and the husband, like Abraham, takes care and listens to his wife. That family will never collapse. never. 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 <laughs> Just like what I'm saying to you. It's not when a problem comes that both of you will not start scoring to do prayer of agreement. Your car is about breaking down. You're not starting prayer of agreements, and this is our faith will sow a dangerous seed that God should give us a new car. In your mind, that is the work of faith. That's not faith. Church, I think I'm saying to you. Did you hear what I said? So the Christian family is like Abraham and I and Sarah. Abraham takes care of his wife. He's committed to her. He deals with her in love, respects her, honors her, listens to her. When she says the word of God, he listens to her. When she brings what is good for the family, he listens to her. He does not consider it um, inferiority to take his wife's ideas, to take his wife's just like Sarah. In the same way, a Christian woman is not afraid to call her own husband Lord. And to respect him as the leader of that family. So, try get what I'm saying to you. Sometimes we need to be clear on certain things. We need to be very clear on certain things. The work of faith affects every area of our life. We Christians do our things differently from the way the world does their things. Let's go on. Let's read chapter twelve. The next thing he said was that, and they took the possessions they had accumulated and set out. They took the possessions they had accumulated and set out. This is another part. I've said this in different ways, but this is also another highlight from God's word, from the culture of Abraham, from Abraham's conduct. When a man is working in faith and you are doing as the Lord has told you, you carry your possessions to what God has commanded you don't carry what God, has, what God has commanded to get possessions. Just you understand what I just said now? You carry the possessions you have accumulated to do what God has commanded. What God has commanded is the end. The possessions are what to carry along to do it, not the other way around. That's why kingdom financiers are still materialistic people. You cannot say, I am chasing possessions... And carrying God's will to to do it. Chasing possessions cannot be the end. You don't say, I'm a kid of financier, I'm chasing money so that when I make money, I will do the will of God. No, you do the will of God. The amount of money that you make while doing the will of God is what matters. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. You carry your possessions as the Lord has commanded. You don't go to Cana to make the possessions. You don't go to Cana or you don't go to say, I'm making money so that I can go to Cana. You don't say, the road to Cana is very expensive and very dangerous. There are some bad kings on the way. You know what? The best thing for us to do, to make it easy and for ministry to spread, is for us to make more possessions so that we can go to Cana. Is that what Abraham did? Is that what Abraham did? You go to Cana and carry your possessions along. So there's nothing like kingdom finance. Let me hear from any of his mouth. Where you are now, what has God told you to do? Do it. The amount of money you make while doing God's will is the one you should collect. If God puts you in a place and God commands you to be in a place and in that place, all that he can allow you to make is two talents, what do you do? You take the two talents. If God has commanded you to do something and in the place that you are doing it, the amount of talents you can make is one talent, what do you do? You take your one talent. There's nothing like five talents to enable us to do more. So let us go and make five talents so that we can do what God commanded. So I hear what I'm saying to you. Those are the tricks that Satan uses to retract people's souls. You say the, the, the ministry needs money. No, ministry needs men. The gospel needs money. No, the gospel needs men. The gospel needs men. I've not done ministry for that long. I think this year will make it like probably like 11 years formally that I've done ministry since I was in school. I've not done ministry that long but out of that time I've done ministry, I've something I've seen. Most of the time, if not all of the time, most of the time, let me just be conservative. Most of the time, all the things that people are pressurizing people for to collect money from them to do ministry are usually things that are not ministry. I want to ask you something. Is LED screen ministry? Is it when we moved into this place and there was no fan and there was no TV? Were we not having a great time in God's presence? Were you not blessed? What is ministry? Is it not the preaching of the gospel with your mouth? Is it money they used to open mouths to preach? When it comes to the things that you need for ministry, those of you that are volunteers in this church and the deacons will understand. The way God provided there, did we believe it? When we're in um, um, Diamond Hotel, all the money that we have put together that in our mind, we're telling that God is just helping us. We're even paying quarterly. I didn't surprise these few people that only very few of them are actually working. Many of them are NYCs, they are students. God is still helping us. When it was time for us to leave that place, did we disturb you? Did we stress you? out of the little that you had, that you gave, did God not do it? Did God not do it? <sighs> ministry needs men. Ministry needs men. It is men that do ministry. The first time Jesus ever sent people out to go and preach the gospel, what did he say? He said, don't even carry what you eat. Don't carry bags. Don't carry what you do. Just be going. When you get to every place, I will provide for you if they welcome you. Enter. And they will take your view. If they don't welcome you, dust your feet and move. Imagine that kind of thing. Jesus did it to prove a point. That's why people that actually talk about kingdom financing, that's what I was telling people that this thing is one minute past 12. You start by preaching faith message, and before you know it, you are supporting Satan's kingdom. Why people talk about kingdom financing? They are preaching the exact opposite of what the Lord taught the apostles concerning ministry ethics. When Jesus was actually sending them out, he told them to not worry about money. Now they are telling you that for you to do ministry, you must first worry about what? Money. Can you see do is opposite. Do you see how we enter hellfire? Opposite, opposite, opposite. Jesus said, go and do ministry. Don't worry about money. It's your mouth or your leg you will use. Now we are saying if there's no money, you cannot do ministry. What you need for ministry, God will provide. If the church cannot give you the money for the thing that you want to do, then you don't need it. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. To me, it has always been a good way. Now people now say, no, are you sure you're not belittling God? I'm not belittling God. So are you sure that you're not having, you're not having big dreams? You should have big dreams. Dream of big things that your people cannot carry and trust God. God will raise men now put people in trouble. Your possessions follow you to Cana. You don't make possessions to go to Cana. You go to Cana and carry what you have along. <laughs> and that brings me to the, to the last part of this teaching, which is the weirdest part. And the funniest part. Look at you know, it. You says, verse 6 now says, And Abraham traveled through the land, as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, and said, to your offsprings, I will give this land. He didn't tell him, you understand? He didn't tell him this before. He didn't tell him this before. It was when he got there, God now said, this is the land you are standing on. I will give your offspring this land. So, like, let me just, I know I've been saying it a lot in the first few weeks, but let me keep saying it. Any kind of illusions or delusions of control over your destiny, you want to know exactly what will happen in the next one year. You want to know exactly what will happen in the next, the next five years. You are not walking in faith. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is an adventure. It's okay that you don't know what will happen in the future. God is leading you. Your life is in his hands. When he got to Canaan, I now told him, verse 7, I said, "The Lord." Um, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Hallelujah. So when he got to the land where God wanted him to be, he built an altar there unto the Lord. And from there he went toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tents with Bethel on the west and on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. Hallelujah! So when God had told him where his land would be, he built an altar there to mark it and say, "Lord, thank you for this and all that." And then he continued to the Negev because he was a nomadic person. You understand? He couldn't stay in one place. He was a nomad, so he had goats and cows and sheep. They can't stay in one place, they have to be going around feeding them. Do you understand that? So he was going around the land of Canaan. When God told him the land, he speech there, and then he was doing his nomadic lifestyle. That's why the Bible tells us that God didn't even give him as much as a footprint in Canaan. Until Abraham died, he was moving about nomadically. He did not even have a piece of land that you can set his foot and say, This is my land. Church, do you understand that? And there's something very instructive here, right? He says, the Bible says that when he got to that land, he built an altar to the Lord. Listen to me. There is no accomplishment in your life that, is no, that you will not build an altar in it. Now, some of you that you will have five talents, that is just the truth. Some of you may have billions. If you are such a person and you are hearing what I'm saying, listen to me. If you get to every, any point and you don't have an altar again, you don't have a devotion, say, we have money, say, have to fly out. By 6 a.m. I'm coming back by 6 a.m. I'm not praying again. You'll just go to hell for nothing. You will just go to hell for nothing. You can never have any kind of accomplishment in your life where you don't have an altar to God again. There's no work. There's no work in this world that can be bigger than time for going to church. There's no work in this world that can be bigger than your altar. No work. Any work that is bigger than your altar is already from Satan. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That's how you know. That's how you know. Any work that is bigger than your altar, any work that you cannot build an altar to God, you cannot stand in the the office and they will know that you're a child of God. That people cannot be calling you a pastor, pastor, pastor. Because in this Nigeria as we are now, if people are not jokingly calling you pastor, there is something wrong, go. See, the Bible says, gross darkness shall cover the people. And light shall shine upon you. If you are in Nigeria now, in this Lagos as it is, and people are not calling you, jokingly calling you pastor in your office, <laughs> hey, there's problem. People outside in your office cannot tell that I'm uh-uh, we'll a pastor anymore. They, can, they don't make those kind of jokes about you. Listen to me, there is a problem. Every one of you here, the reports in the office should be that uh, this was their pastors. If it is Canaan, if it is God's will for you, you'll be able to build an altar there. You will build an altar there. Any walk where you don't have an altar anymore is not the will of God. Fix it. Either build your altar or leave the job. It will not profit you anything to gain the whole world and lose your soul. It will not profit you. together. Now, verse 10 says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say, You are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be, scared, will be spared because of you. When Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake, and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. He's the Lord. Hallelujah! What a good God! Praise God! Say the Lord is good. Hmm. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and went, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and, and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. This is the last lesson I'll just um, talk about today. Listen, a life of faith, following God is not any guarantee that you will not go through some funny challenges. Churches all together. Following God is not a guarantee that you will not have challenges. This man, a man of faith, got himself into a place where he had to call his wife or his cousin or half-sister. We're not sure whether his cousin or half-sister, but she was related to him. In those days, that's how it was. Do you understand that? There's some places in Nigeria that are still like that today. right? And he called her his sister and everything. Because of that. Because it was the threat of his life. Imagine your wife being taken away from you. Those of you that are not you don't understand. It's a terrible thing. It's one of the worst things. I cannot imagine it. Somebody else will take my wife. Ah! Hey! hey. God forbid, bad thing. Now, some of you will say things like, um, um, See, the, the teaching of faith has really worked. script has affected us. People say a lot of things like, there are a lot of funny things we hear. You hear something like, Abraham lied. I've not warned you, people, don't ever in your mouth say Abraham staggered. Do you know what I just said now? We mm-hmm. say, Abraham lied to protect his, himself and Kiniko, Kiniko. What are you talking about? Let's not go into ethics and, and all those things and everything. Go and read um, Genesis chapter, chapter 2, no, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 1, from verse 15 to 21. The Bible says that these people. Pharaoh said they should go and kill all the boys among the Israelites. And the Bible says that these two midwife women, these two midwives of Egyptians, they feared the Lord and they told um, this thing a lie. They told Pharaoh a lie and told him that um, um, those women, Hebrew women, used to give birth very, very fast. They give birth like every other person. It was a lie they told Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will not kill. So that Pharaoh, you understand that, And the Bible says that and God was happy with them and God blessed them. Have you guys ever heard of the woman called Corrie Ten Boone? Have you heard of her? During World War II, they want to come and kill your neighbors, and you're hiding them in the house, and they ask you, are your neighbors here? What will you say? What will you say? <laughs> 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 Abraham lied to Kinniko. They said, they will, God has given you a promise. They will kill you because of your wife. What are you talking about? May you not see trials and tribulations, O.H. See, let's not go into the ethics of, um, ethics of um, you know, all those things. You know, in ethic, philosophy of ethics, they talk about all those things. How that you're you are supposed to submit to the higher authority. The greater law is what you submit to and everything. And let's not go into all that. Those are things that we'll talk about after service or maybe during midweek service. Do you understand know what I'm saying to you? But it's not a funny thing. These were the days, there was nothing like Judeo-Christian values. Do you understand that? There's nothing like Judeo-Christian values in these days. If a king sees your wife, say, ah, ah. <laughs> There's nothing like um, argument or this um, discussion, because a woman cannot have two husbands, and is the king. Praise God! Look at the kind of Idowu that Abraham went through. The Bible says that God now used it to bless him, and He now increased him and added many things. Was Abraham going to Egypt to gain plenty slaves and plenty donkeys? Was it not God that blessed him? But this was after he had gone through trials and tribulations. Listen to me. Whether someone is adding slaves and money to you, or somebody is collecting your wife by force, you are in faith. Stay there. God is ordering your life. Church, are you i saying to you? Stay there. God is in control of your life. The fact that someone is stealing you, you know sometimes some things will happen in your life and you go to a place and the equivalent of someone has taken your wife up you'll be like, God, did they not hear well? Ah, God, what is happening? You, you know, that kind of pressure of affliction, people, begins to, people begin to suggest all kinds of funny ideas to you. They'll say, I have one baba somewhere. Come, let's go to that baba. I have one church somewhere. That pastor is a prophet. He can see things and they begin to run about, run about, run about, run about. That's what I'm trying to impress upon you and I want you to seek him. If you're a child of God, You are being led by default already. Your life is in God's hands. Your life is in God's hands. Your name is graven in his palm. Your name is written on his heart. So God is already in control of your life. When you are going through something, don't start panicking and let Satan push you out of the flock into Satan's hands. Don't let anybody carry you from one prophet to another. Carry you from one prophet to another. Carry you from one prophet to another. And all those kind of useless things. You're not going from one church to another. You're not going to YouTube looking for all kinds of philosophies to explain why you are feeling the way you are feeling. And you're not start running from all kinds of funny things. See, listen to me. Be still and know that he is what? God. So it's not a matter of, ah, this time I can't even hear anything. I'm not hearing anything. I know that listen to me. Calm down. If you're a child of God, God is in control of your life already. Just trust him. You will see how God will deal with Pharaoh for your sake. God will deal with Pharaoh for your sake. Your deliverance will come. It's a journey. It's an adventure. Sometimes you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes you find yourself on the peak of the mountain. Sometimes you find yourself in the valley. Sometimes you find yourself in front of the Red Sea. Sometimes you find yourself in a wilderness and a dry place. And sometimes you find yourself in a thick forest. That is the adventure of faith. That's what faith is. The journey of faith is not a straight road with nice things on right, on the right and on the left and just going. No! Church out together. That's what I'm saying to you. So, even in those times, be stable. Don't let anybody come with any kind of doctrine or philosophy that will push you out of your way and begin to doubt God, whether God is with you or not. Begin to make you doubt whether God is with you or whether you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, whether people love you or not, and everything. That's not the problem. It's a lonely walk. But you stay. Be stable. Be stable. God will order your, God will order your steps. Even when people think that they are doing evil against you or they are trying to afflict you, just like um, Egypt, um, you know, the Pharaoh was doing here. Even when the Pharaoh is trying to afflict you and all that, listen to me God is greater than your enemies. God is greater than your enemies. You don't need to. Do you see Abraham praying and saying, God, kill Pharaoh, kill Pharaoh, kill Pharaoh? Your God is the initiator. You are not a. God, your God is the initiator. He's the one running your life. You just stay in prayer. See what God will use Pharaoh to do. is some, 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 some clowns today say things like, um, God does not deal with people. Another. Listen to me. God judges evildoers. God will deal with them. Don't worry. Stay in faith. And the office, and then there's something happening and all that, and then people are not giving you your due, or someone is holding back your promotion, or somebody is doing certain things to you and all that, or your place of work, you have certain suppliers that are setting legs for you, On your business, there's a particular guy that's doing something just to harm, you know, your own value chain, and all those kinds of different things that can happen to someone. Listen to me. You stay in faith and continue to do the right thing do what is clear in your conscience do what is right at every point in time continue to walk in the fruit of the spirit at every point in time, do what you believe and you know from God's word is the best God will use it and overcome your enemies God will overcome your enemies in the name of Jesus I pray for every one of you I pray for every one of you in the name of Jesus that you will know God better you will know God for yourselves You will see his power in your life. And you will know for a fact that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your own life. In the name of Jesus. There is a riches and a glory that pertains to salvation. There is a beauty of salvation. There is a sweetness of salvation. There is a sweetness of knowing God that the prophet will say, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. You will know that taste. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you and every one of us here that we will know that taste. In the name of Jesus. God will give us wisdom and understanding in his word and we will know his word. We will know his will in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. Father, we give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.